Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekretman. And my name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. In our studios, where we record Morning Drive Bible, we are surrounded by the revelations of sages engaging with the Word of God. The In other book- words, books. Books. <laughs> Scott gets to the point, trying to be very poetic. But amongst the books, Scott, there are- I can't, I'm still just in shock that you... You spilled the beans that this isn't live, that we actually record these episodes. I, I can't believe you would do that and ruin the illusion for our many listeners. Sometimes we have to record certain episodes because I am traveling a lot. That's fair? It's fair. But okay. every episode is recorded mere minutes before they're released. <laughs> All right, Scott. What I see among the holy books in this room is sign autographed baseballs yes i do actually have a couple signed autographed baseballs this baseball that you're looking at right now is signed by jim lonborg now i know you're not a big baseball fan but you have some baseball knowledge have you ever heard of jim lonborg no jim lonborg jim lonborg was a pitcher for the red sox in the 1960s and in 1967 the year that the red sox won the pennant the American League Championship, for the first time in 21 years, Jim Lomborg won the Cy Young Award as the best pitcher in the American League. So he signed this ball, Jim Lomborg, 67 Cy Young. Interestingly about Jim Lomborg is that soon after he won the Cy Young, he was skiing, he broke his leg, and he never was the same afterwards. He eventually retired and became a dentist. And he practices, I think he still practices, I don't know, he's probably a pretty old dentist by now, but he's practiced in Massachusetts for many, many years. And I always kind of wanted to go because, hey, who wouldn't want your dentist to be Jim Lomborg, Cy Young Award winner, if you're a Red Sox fan? So I think, Scott, you need to go to his office and say, I have a cavity, or I think I have a cavity, and then actually have his hands operate on the same hands that helped the red sox win the pennant in 1967 i would definitely appreciate something like that for better or for worse i'm not in massachusetts right now i am in the holy state of israel so it probably is unlikely but i'll consider it the next time i go and have a toothache in the great state of massachusetts anyway david what's on your mind today when it comes to the bible i'm still like overwhelmed by all the holy books and then there's this sign autograph baseball all right different forms of holiness david different Different forms forms of holiness I think we need to continue our journey with chapter 32 in the book of Exodus about the golden calf. What we have accomplished until now is understanding the story, its context, the development of a particular people within Israel who attached themselves to the body of Israel who saw the glory of God in Egypt. This is the multitudes that came out with the Jewish people that created this crisis with Aaron and saying we need to have leadership to take us to the promised land and eventually devolved into this pagan orgy. And Moses is now interceding and we have addressed two arguments. That God, you shouldn't be angry with Israel because it wasn't really Israel or they were simply reverting back to that which they know your anger is, so to speak, misplaced. And the second argument that by doing so, God, by destroying the people of Israel, you will be ruining your reputation. And that does matter because the entire point of having a people of Israel is in order to build God's reputation. That is to show that God exists even where we thought he wasn't there. 
this would ultimately undermine that message. Now we get to what you call the third argument. The third argument, it says in the middle of verse 12, retreat from the heat of your anger and reconsider the evil intended for your people. So to me, that doesn't sound like an argument. It sounds like a prayer. An argument is a reason that God shouldn't destroy the people. A prayer is a request that God not destroy the people. Having given two arguments, don't be angry, your anger is misplaced, followed by, this would undermine your purpose in the world, Moses now asks God, requests of him, please don't destroy the people. That's how I read this verse. That would be a valid way of reading the verse, Scott. I don't want to take away the validity of how you're reading it, but this phrase of reconsider or repent of the evil you're intending to do to your people, that expression only happens one time prior to this, and that's at the time of the flood during Noah's times. And God repented of creating humanity. And what happened at the end? He basically eradicated humanity besides Noah. And then the whole entire humanity begins with Noah again. Sort of parallel to what God was saying he was going to do here. He was going to destroy the entire people of Israel and start Israel again with Moses. Right. Where the arguments beforehand were either for the merit of Israel, for the merit of God. Moses is now saying, no, don't use me to begin your people anew again. Don't do that. I want you to continue to use the people as they are and just don't do what you're intending to do. I don't want you to end up doing what you wanted to do when you did it back in the flood of Noah. I want you now to reconsider that, repent from that, and don't use me to have a new Israel come from me. I understand what you're saying, David, but to me that still sounds like a prayer, not an argument. An argument is a reason why God shouldn't do it. Saying, I don't want you to do this isn't a reason, it's simply a request. You're looking at it as a request. Scott, I want to build up your argument against me. In our prayers, every day, we have a supplication prayer called Tachanun. That's right, David. After the standing prayer, where we make our basic requests of God, we have the prayer called Tachanun, where we have a personal supplication, asking God for forgiveness, for mercy, etc. And we actually invoke this verse. It says, Lord, God of Israel, turn away from your fierce anger and relent from the evil against your people. Look down from heaven and see how we have become an object of scorn, and derision among the nations. We have regarded as sheep led to the slaughter, to be killed, destroyed, beaten, humiliated. Yet despite all this, we have not forgotten your name. Please do not forget us. Strangers say you have no hope or expectation. Be gracious to the nation whose hope is in your name. O pure one, bring our deliverance close. We are exhausted. We are given no rest. May your compassion suppress your anger against us. Please turn away from your fierce anger and have compassion on the people you chose as your own. And it goes on and on. And I'm just amplifying your question on me, which is, it seems like it's a prayer. And in fact, we're using it as part of our prayer to say to God, don't destroy us. It's not an argument in that prayer, in the Tachanun supplication. We're using it, as you said correctly, as a request to God. Please save us. Please don't invoke your anger upon us and cause destruction. I guess we'll have to figure out if you have an answer to this tomorrow. I'm Scott Kahn. I'm David Necrutman. Blessings from Jerusalem.